Welcome back to The Lives of Writers, a podcast presented by Autofocus, an online lit mag dedicated to artful autobiographical writing, which you can read today at autofocuslit.com and follow on Twitter and Instagram at autofocuslit. I'm the publisher of Autofocus, Michael Wheaton. Today on the show, I talk with Brian Olio. Brian Olio is a writer and writing instructor at the University of Alabama. He's the co-author of the books Enter Your Initials for Record Keeping and What Shot Did You Ever Take? And the solo author of several more, including Leave Luck to Heaven and most recently, Body Drop, Notes on Fandom and Pain in Professional Wrestling. All right, let's get to it. This is my conversation with Brian Olio. I was always interested in writing. Um, I was always interested in, uh, you mentioned even just like doing a podcast, like creating stuff, right? And so I, I liked making things, uh, but I wasn't good at any of it, right? Like, so I <laughs> I liked even just kind of like hanging out with friends. We do like silly little videos or, or whatever. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I just kind of was was kind of known as the writer, I guess, uh, amongst my friends. And, and they were super into music. They were super into like the punk scene. And I couldn't play an instrument to save my life. So, um, you know, I started kind of like writing blogs and I started writing little like zine things like the old school, like punk zines where you, you'd get them printed on like the, the, that very uh, thin paper. Um, so I would do that. And that was kind of how I really learned to enjoy that. And so I looked into journalism cause that was like, you know, if you ask anybody, especially as a kid, you're like, Oh, I'm going to be a writer. Like, Oh, a newspaper writer. Are you going to write a book? And I was like, well, I think I'm more interested in, in writing you know, books. And so I took some journalism classes um, and inevitably in high school, I wound up kind of starting a literary magazine, um, you know, with mm-hmm. it started off as like a supplement to the newspaper and then it grew. Right. So like soliciting work and using my own work to fill in there when we didn't get enough submissions. And and so, um, you know, when it was time to go to college, um, I knew I wanted to go for writing um, and I didn't know what that looked like. Right. Like as anyone does. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh, I like writing. <laughs> I want to continue to do that. Um, and so that's kind of how that happened. And and I went to uh, Loyola, Maryland. And then my one of my first teachers uh, was Leah Purpura, who, you know, is a essentially the queen of the lyric essay um, and writing essays and also a poet. Um, and I also had Jane Satterfield, who's an amazing poet. And, you know, I just kind of stumbled into that world um, in a lot of ways. I had some unbelievable teachers. And so I through that I was able to read things that weren't just, you know, the stuff I was reading in high school, um, kind of getting the idea of, you know, there's people that are still writing. These are current writers. You'd read something by somebody and then they'd come and visit and give a talk and give a reading. And like, that's a huge like leap for me, I think as, as a, you know, and for all my, even when I think of my own students too, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, these people are, you don't just have to read Plato. You don't just have to read (laughs) Hemingway. Uh, you know, there's people doing work. A lot of people doing work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that was kind of my way into that. And then um, I said, you know, I don't know what to do. I really want to teach. I love teaching. Um, And so I'd say I love teaching, but I I had never taught before. But that was always the path in the back of my mind. And so. um, Well, you probably gave presentations in school. And that's that's how I knew I wanted to be a teacher because I could fake my way through that so easily. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And I like talking and I like, you know, being in. Mm -hmm. I think if anything, presentations, oh, I'm in charge of something and be able to talk about stuff. And so, um, yeah, I I kind of was looking around for my favorite programs 
And um, I knew that uh, at Alabama, I'd have the chance to teach creative writing and, um, you know, kind of first year writing and so on and so forth. And uh, it just so happened that Michael Martone, um, who longtime Alabama person now retired, uh, gave a reading at Loyola the year after I graduated. But it was the time where, like, you send the email to, like, you know, my former teachers being like, what am I going to do? And they're like, oh, you uh-huh. should apply to Alabama. <laughs> he was just here. It was great. So that's kind of how that pipeline. So that's how I wound up down at Alabama. Um, and I, as I always said, the application fee in 2005 was $20. So it was one of those why nots as opposed to everywhere else. Right. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I got into it. Um, kind of my my way of, of finding my way into like getting into an MFA program and then like, you know, enjoying my time actually at the MFA program, which I know is rare uh, and I'm very lucky. So, um, yeah, no, that was that was kind of it. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk a bit more about your new book, Body Drop, uh, in just a little bit. But I was wondering, like, you know, when you were a kid and kind of developing that interest in writing, um, was there like any so. I'm sure you remember like all of a sudden in pro wrestling wrestlers started writing books or like having books ghostwritten yes. and stuff. And so like when I was younger, there's like several books I can think of that were like, I wouldn't say made me want to write, but made me want to read more. Right. And one of them was, um, you know, like, like catcher in the rye, like in like middle school yeah, and yeah, like yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But another one of the big ones that like, I never really get to talk about cause people wouldn't understand is a uh, mankind's uh, Mick Foley's autobi- nice autobiography. Day. It was probably one yeah. of the greatest reading experiences of my life. Probably one of the longest books I've ever read. Um, but that was like a seminal work <laughs> for me when I was a teenager. <laughs> you know- I think about it a lot. It's a great book. Um, I yeah, the Have a Nice Day. Uh, I think it, that was the first one, right? He's yeah. written he's written uh-huh. multiple ones now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the one. And I remember, and it shows you kind of how split. It's like I, I read that book, and it was it's so good. It's like really really fun yeah, it and is. good. And yeah. I, I kind of need to revisit it. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, oh, awesome! And I was going to read some other. Uh, you know some other books like wrestling books and i was like oh these are terrible like they yeah. weren't as good they were <laughs> he was really like he was so good writer. Yeah, yeah yeah i sent him uh, i really wanted him to blurb the book um but so i like went through his agent but i did i never got a response never got so him I, oh, I just that's wanna, too bad i i need to uh at least send him a copy i think um, for sure because it was it was that was a huge thing for me was was reading that book and and him telling those stories and um especially at a time where you know, it was still played very close to the vest, like what wrestling was. And yeah. he was able to be like, you know, this was that that first kind of um, explaining of how like, oh, we travel from town to town. Uh-huh. You know, I here was my, um, you know, here are the people that I drove with. Here was yeah. all that stuff. Hotel, um, st- hotel, hotel stories, all those things. Um, <laughs> and just like this, this wild, like you know, Iliad-esque cast of characters that would just yeah. like pop in and out. And then all of a sudden yeah. you're just like, oh yeah, I'm referencing this person and that person. Mm-hmm. I, def- I definitely, yeah, I need to revisit that too. I had a signed copy because I, I I went to like events where he was doing readings. Oh, yeah. I got it. And um, I, when I was moving and I gave, it was like in my twenties and I just like gave away all my books because I was in this, like I'm moving around and I yeah. don't want, and now I'm like really regretful <laughs> <laughs> the books I lost uh, from that. But yeah, I wonder what would it be like to read it now after all the quote unquote writing training and, and reading experience. Yeah, I know. I, d- I guess I had the same thing. I must have came out. 
I think I must have been in high school and I read it. Um, I think I think I was like 14. Or I went so. to, I, I bought it at like the borders in, in New Jersey. <laughs> I like went and bought it. And uh, yeah, I, that's that's a good one. It's it's funny. So I read um, recently. Uh, I say recently. It was probably about two, three years ago. Um, I read the Daniel Bryan autobiography, um, which is interesting. But it changed in terms of like thinking about my book. Um, he like writes this whole biography, this autobiography and like, it's like really good. And then his last chapter, he like writes his last chapter and you know, his dad passes away. Right. So mm-hmm. his, I, and you could tell it like, it's kind of his epilogue of the book and the epilogue is just like, it like, and the book ends on the note. Like I would have, um, I, I would have given it all back just to like hang out with my dad. This all seemed purposeless. And I was like, uh-huh. and it was like the whoa. end. And you're like, whoa, like it was, it got like super, super, super dark. And it just like did not fit the rest of the book. But it was just like this ultimate downer of a note um, to end on in this book that was like, and for me reading it, I was fascinated by it because, you know, being, but I can imagine being like a kid who likes like Daniel Bryan or even just like a fan and you yeah. read that last paragraph and you're like, oh boy. Uh, um, but so I'm guessing I'm guessing he didn't have a ghostwriter then. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, yeah. there's a very good chance. I, I I have the book over there. It's probably like as told to by. Yeah. Right? But um, but it is that was like a big moment for me was like reading that book because it had been a minute since I read like a wrestling book. And I was like mm-hmm. going to the beach. And, and admittedly, I uh, I don't I'm a big like article reader, essay reader. But like it takes a lot for me to like sit down and read a book, to be honest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's not. I'll read like shorter books of poetry and things like that. But right. um, I was like, oh, I'm going to the beach. Let me b- read this like big old like, you know, WWE books. Like, yeah. <laughs> which was like, you know, it had kind of the YA trick. Right. Where it was meant to be massive and impressive but in actuality it was only probably about like 80,000 words (laughs) um so did like the storytelling of wrestling like did that play a role in your love of storytelling at all like or or was that kind of tangential you know I think as of anything it it really kind of finds its way into it um Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the intricacies of things and it's been interesting because now it's it's obviously been um everyone uses it right but like the metafiction concept of it i thought was mm-hmm. like that's very much inherent in in wrestling um this like self-awareness uh and this idea of artifice uh and for me that was something that i was really into and i was blown away by especially when you were younger right like in high school you're like oh my gosh the story knows it's a story like yeah. <laughs> this wrestler knows he's a character like uh-huh. those moments of like slipping or, or anything along those lines like those were the moments that i was most like interested and of course yeah. those were like most of the time they were terrible storylines in terms of oh, wrestling yeah. they were god awful um but they were <laughs> ambitious. i feel like there's yeah there's more bad than good sometimes oh with, yeah with storylines the time but yeah. yeah but the good is so good that's it, the problem it keeps that's you on it. it reels you in and you're like mm-hmm. you kind of sit through the drivel and then all of a sudden you get like a storyline that's like really hooks you um yeah all those kind of intricate moments i think in terms of those that meta storytelling um again artifice i was like that was yeah. my, very much my way in when i was uh, a younger writer is that I would I was a big fan of kind of taking a form that already pre-existed and then kind of like playing around with it and changing things mm-hmm. around and so that was my early kind of foray that's what I wrote kind of to God forbid I'm not going to go back and look at it but to like get into graduate <laughs> school right mm-hmm. like I wrote kind mm-hmm. of a whole story within a story um, and kind of thought about that kind of con- 
confinement of how that worked. Um, and so I think that was di- directly my first exposure to that was wrestling, right? Yeah. Like, um, sure. And you'd read like some meta textual, not really you know, hard of the heart of the country. You'd read like those kind of self-aware books, people, people of paper, <laughs> yeah, Vonnegut, people of paper, um, all of those kind of artifice based books. But, you know, to me, it was, I, people ask like, Oh, those are the inspiration. I'm like, no, I was like, you know, when, you know, Brett Hart broke character, right? Like those, are, those are the, <laughs> those are the true moments for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and, and the storytelling's, I mean, evolved so much over time, like before, you know, before our relative, I should say relative generation, you know, came in and there was all the meta stuff kind of going on and it was changing, but, you know, before, you know, we were really watching it, it was just so like, you couldn't break kayfabe and i yeah. should for listeners who don't know what kayfabe, I, the the falsity of it is true and like you can't break the the falsity and then like how that's been you know kind of postmodernized <laughs> you know yeah. throughout time and um and how it's so blurred now and kind of you mentioned like i wonder like you know back when when we were kids and and the meta stuff was happening how much of that was kind of accidental and then now they like play that like that's the goal now yeah. like and you look at like how social media plays into wrestling now absolutely and so you have like a character who's might not even be the character on social media but they're still acting like the character but then there's also like super earnest sometimes or like it's kind of it's really it's really bizarre how uh how much you know fact and fiction is kind of blurred and that's kind of the whole game now and yeah and you know the you know and, and even just in the wrestling like sometimes the pain's real you know Big time. and sometimes it's not and you can't you can't always tell the difference, you know, I can't, you know, I think what's interesting of course is, is how wrestling audiences change too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, especially as us who grew up around it and like people have been growing up around wrestling for a long time, but, um, yeah, I think obviously television has sh- shifted a, a way yeah. in which we watch it. Um, and so, you know, in the book I talk a lot about, I think a lot of it as wrestling as television show is kind of how mm-hmm. I, I re- continue because I love television. So, yeah. um, I think that's part of my, my viewing experience of it. And then also the internet, like you said, um, kind of how that shifted every thing um and yeah the pain being real so it's i think the the shifting of audiences changed where it's like we're trying to fool the people right like i mm-hmm. i really like um I, again i don't know if you watch aew but like i do my, my great the great line from colette Arend, who's a, a great uh poet wrestling writer um works for a fan fight which is really or i think it's the head editor of fan fight um has a great line where it's like AEW is wrestling for people who listen to wrestling podcasts. Yeah. And <laughs> that sounds and so, right. like there is, there's that little playing, like here's references that we know here, are wink and nods. Oh, here's a wrestling move that, you know, so-and-so pulled out in 1989. And like, this is a, like a thing or everyone's like, just nerdy enough to know that it's happening. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I like that and I enjoy that. And I recognize that I like that, but then I also like, very goofy things, right? Where it's kind of meant to be that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think sometimes maybe, you know, it, it has that snark. I mean, it's always that balance of like fun and genuineness and snarkiness and like, especially how the internet has shaped, shamed, um, kind of what wrestling is today. And so, um, yeah, like that's something I always kind of continue to go back to, uh, mm-hmm. is kind of, okay, who's the audience for this now? Like, who is this for? Is this for our teenagers tuning in and and watching and enjoying this? I don't know. Um, Yeah. Well, it's certainly not as mainstream as it was in the attitude era. I mean, that was, 
I mean, that was like everyone knew. Like, everyone. You didn't even have to watch wrestling and people were walking around telling people to suck it. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. doing the crotch chop. It was pretty wild. I think there's one thing. <laughs> um, I don't know if you watch uh, Pen15 on Hulu, which is kind I've of. I've seen it. I, yeah. I haven't watched all of it, but I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, one of the most accurate. I mean, there's so much accurate elements in that that thing, but like all the kids are in like wrestling. Like, authentic wrestling like they're uh, stone cold like the bad stone cold t-shirts like they're uh-huh. all in like the mm-hmm. dx like all the, the kids are and you, yeah of course they are like that's a, that's what everyone was doing that was huge yeah. it was huge um <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit more about um the book so yeah. you know and the, i mentioned it's called body drop and the subtitles notes on fandom and pain and professional wrestling and um you know one thing that really interests me about the book is that I I feel that the the pieces in it are are kind of hybrid works. I think the easy thing would be to call them essays, but I you know to me I don't feel like they're essays in the classic sense. Like it's such a like I feel like they're long prose poems, <laughs> um, which I guess you would call an essay, <laughs> yes, or like a lyric essay or something. But I was wondering if you could kind of talk about um, the form those pieces take and if it was a natural thing or if you were kind of going into it like you know I want to do these and I want to do these. I'm going to call them essays, but sure. yeah. <laughs> these, or these pieces, I want to do them in this kind of like hybrid essay poetry style. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so inherently I am uh, an essayist and I, I, I say it proudly. Right. So like, yeah. you know, for me, but it's always funny because I'll write something and I'll be like, well, yeah, this is, this is an essay and I'll, I can defend it. But like most people are going to see it like, oh, this is like a prose poem. This is that. And I'm like, okay, like, okay, you can say that way. But yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, which is fine by me. Uh, I, I, I do not care very much for, about but um i'd i I laugh because back in the day even just like getting my mfa like there weren't any essayists there was like two or three of us so it was like Mm -hmm. i I have to continue to like ride for 2008 (laughs) brian right like you know he's he's an essayist and these poets around him are terrible um but uh uh so i i wrote those the highly lyricized pieces i wrote first um Mm -hmm. because that was kind of that's kind of my default writing style i would say um kind of in the way that that I, I find myself writing things as I try to write these like highly lyric pieces. Um, my previous book, um, as with anything else, right, we kind of like bridge gaps between books and projects. And so um, I wrote a, a book called Leave Luck to Heaven that um, did kind of a similar thing with uh, video games, especially specifically mm-hmm. Nintendo 8-bit video games. And so um, all of those pieces were very much in the style of the pieces that are about wrestlers. So the highly lyric elements of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started writing those and I was just like, oh, I'm just going to have fun with them. Let's see if I can get to 30, like 30 Battle Royal mm-hmm. and see what I can do. <laughs> um, so that was kind of what I was working on. And um, that was kind of my intent. And then I... Um, you know, was talking to Lucas Church, who was, uh, he reached out to me and he was my editor at um, UNC, acquisitions editor at UNC. Um, and so he knew my work for from a, a literary magazine that I published in a minute ago. He's the editor over there. Um, and so he was like, hey, you know, I'm here now. Um, we're looking to get more to like nonfiction, uh, but more specifically, because I laugh, I'm at UNC Press and it's very fancy in, in North Carolina <laughs> and I feel I feel legit. Uh, but like my book is so weird and it's I, I have so much imposter syndrome because like I'm alongside of these like very deep dives into like the civil rights movement uh-huh. and like all of these like incredibly academic books. And they're like, oh, wow, like this book about wrestling could be like really cool. I'm like, no, man, it is like straight <laughs> up a, a memoir slash essay slash poetry uh-huh. book. 
book. Um, but anyway, so I wrote those pieces and he's like, this is really great. Like, let's see if we can move forward on this. He's like, but I need another um, I need another way in. And I was like, okay. So then that's when I started writing the holds pieces, right? Mm -hmm. So I I started writing those, but those obviously I I wrote those with an entirely different intent, right? So they have a different voice um, a lot of times than the other ones. I'm like, okay, let me try to kind of be a little bit more explanatory, bring some more history in as opposed to those kind of um, those other pieces about the wrestlers. And so I finished that and then I was like, cool, how we feeling? And he's like, oh, we need one more. I was like, okay. So then I kind of went back. and that's the smaller pieces, like the really short ones, just kind of uh, I call them spot calls. I don't know if that actually made it into the I forget if it made it into the final thing. We we're going back and forth on that. But those moments where like wrestlers are whispering to each other in yeah. like, the ring. Right. And so that was mm. the intent of that. So, um, yeah. So that's the kind of the way I thought about it. It's like the small pieces were spot calls, things that were happening within the ring. Um, the backstage kind of elements were all the different holds. Um all the holes were based in or the different moves. Those were based in, I was thinking to myself, well, those are based all in like actual wrestling or Greco Roman or, yeah. you know, jujitsu a lot of times, mostly jujitsu holds. Um, so I want to talk about those as like, here's the real aspects of these things. And so that's where a lot of like the pain elements come from. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those were kind of what I was thinking about there. And then uh, the highly glamorized, you know, television ones are kind of about the wrestlers. And so the, the form and the way that those are written, um, you know, are meant to be kind of larger than life, right. To kind Uh of have those moments. So that's kind of, that was my thinking in terms of those kind of three types of writing that are kind of woven throughout. And then what was great because it turned it from, and obviously editors are, Lucas are, are brilliant and Lucas is one of them. And it turned it from, Oh, here's a collection of stuff to here's a book. Like here's something that kind of actually moves around and and like, and actually um, instead of just like a a big collection, because that was how I've always written was like, okay, here's like, (laughs) I enjoyed it. Right. Like I enjoyed like, okay, here are, 30 uh 32 but the video game was 32 right because you had to do Mm -hmm. 60 in multiples of eight um and i was like oh here's 32 things and you're just gonna like barrel through them right like i enjoyed (laughs) the exhausting element but uh as as someone trying to sell a book they're like you know brian let's kind of like downshift let's kind of move around a little bit and it turned Mm -hmm. it into a a really good book so um yeah i think so too that yeah yeah i'm a huge fan of it um cool and I was surprised to see, I think I saw it online that it was like a 10 year, like all together is like 10 years Yeah. from like, yeah. Like to me, I, like it felt so, I mean, as much as it moves around, it felt so tight as a book that I just, in my head, I just imagined you had an idea for a book project and you took a couple of years and did it. Um, <laughs> so it was, that was definitely, um, interesting yeah, um, to see that, that, that it goes back that far. It did. It took on multiple forms and I'm a slow writer. I think that's the other thing too, but, um, or like things get shelved for a little bit. And I'm also a side project person, you know, as I was writing that book, I wrote it, like I finished another book and then, uh, and had that book published. And then also, um, while writing that book, I like continue to work on a bunch of other projects. And so, um, yeah, I, I think like it started off almost as a collaboration between the people I dedicated the book, uh, my friends, Cammy and Jason. And so we were like talking about a collaboration. We kind of sketched this thing out just like one day, like over, you know, eating, I think we ate fried chicken at my table. And that's, that was kind <laughs> of what we figured out. Um, and then it just like never came. We like, uh-huh. you know, got busy. Um, yeah. but I had this outline and I was that we like worked on together and I was like, oh, let me like 
let me try a little bit. Let me try to do this. And so I like tried a little bit. And so I kind of like stumped from that. And like they kind of dropped off. They didn't, you know, they wrote a little things here and there, but they were one off instead of working on this big, large project. Um, and yeah. I later collaborated with Jason on on a poetry book. The Rocky um, one? Yes, 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 I have yes. that. T- I oh, have good. that too. Yes. If we have time, we'll talk about that yeah, as well. For um, sure. I, I like that. I like that uh, chap a lot too. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of started on that. And then I was like, well, let's kind of start writing these larger pieces. I had ideas. Uh, I originally wanted to do one for each WrestleMania, right? And kind of like each one, two, three. But then at some point I was like, how do, do I really, there's some big duds of WrestleManias. And I was like, I don't know. What oh, my, yeah. I don't know what my <laughs> angle is on this one. Right. Um, and there's going to be more and more WrestleManias, right? So like right. at some point you're like, well, why'd you stop? I, th- I was like, well, I had to release the book. Um, so I wanted to kind of get away from that. So that was kind of that shift to, well, 30. Like, let's see if I can get to 30 and then other things kind of weaving their way in. Mm-hmm. And some of my favorite um things in the you know obviously the fandom is a big part of it mm-hmm. um but you know there's this stuff about you know pain like personal pain mm-hmm. body pain i guess chronic pain um and also stuff about like body image mm-hmm. that was all stuff that you know was super interesting to me um i don't i don't have issues with like chronic pain or anything like that um but definitely the body and Im- <laughs> the body yeah. image stuff yeah. you know and and you know there's something about uh husky teenage boys that <laughs> Facts. wrestling just trust them in and i it was really definitely does. and i was definitely that <laughs> um you know and and so i love this kind of blending of if you don't watch wrestling like you can still get a lot out of the book because you do a lot of that kind of background informing mm-hmm. like you don't you don't take for granted that the person reading it knows every as much about wrestling as you do so you do give a, a little <laughs> a little um you know to help that but i love kind of this blending of like you know, information, um, and then the outward looking at wrestlers and other wrestlers and kind of, uh, moves as, as holds, but, and then, you know, the personal kind of always entering in this kind of like, um, poetic way. And was that something I was wondering, you know, like when you were going into that, cause I, I remember one of the pieces you're talking about like how you always like think twice before you take off like your shirt in front of someone. Mm-hmm. And I am the same exact way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and then you kind of talk about how, like in that essay, you're like, um, I'm revealing all this. I'm confessing all this, but I'm still not taking my shirt off in front of you. I'm kind of paraphrasing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, that was one of my favorite moments in it, maybe out of relatability, but also, you know, is that idea of like, confession but like in writing is only confession to a point like exactly. it's sa- it's like safer to confess it than to actually physically do it absolutely and so I, f- I felt this kind of like push pull between like the physical and the mental you know in the book and and so that was something that was really exciting to me and so i guess my question is like was that a surprise to you like when <laughs> when you did that or like at the outset you know i know it's a 10 year project but like yeah. you know when you started getting into your own body right like, in the work was that a surprise or was it something that you you kind of went in like okay this is a, a pressure point that i want to push on in the yeah book. that's a good question so i think um well one of the things that i always come back to uh especially with, with writing and and you know writing nonfiction is a lot of times it's like um it's admitting things that you're not quite ready to admit right now. Like right, I, right. I, I always come back to that line, that thought. Um, and I, I picked that up somewhere. I don't know. 
I've, I've cultivated it. It's a classic phrase. I think I've cultivated it as my own, but also I, I know I've heard it someplace. I just don't remember exactly. It's been interpolated enough times, but uh-huh. um, so that's, that's a line that I always come back to. Um, the other thing uh, that I, I definitely had been working on um, I've been working on this book uh, about long distance running for a very long time. Um, and so I, I, I'm a long distance runner. I've run four marathons. Um, and so, uh, that was something that I kind of been balancing and talking about myself as someone who, you know, is not definitely, sub, definitely not a runner, um, kind of picked up the the mantle because my grandfather ran the, the founded the Barcelona marathon. And so, mm. um, I kind of wanted to do that, um, and kind of read about his story. And so uh, that book had, I've been working on the, the books at the same time. And so that book has a lot of body stuff in it, right? Like mm-hmm. being an overweight runner, um, you know, all the stuff that kind of is tied up in that and like weight loss, and then gain weight back and all this, all mm-hmm. these things. So mm-hmm. that was all um, kind of stuff that was definitely on my mind in that project. And so when it came time to kind of write this project, it was more of a, ref- it continued that reflection, right? Um, so it allowed me to kind of think back onto I mean, think about wrestling is is nostalgia, right? And so, like, mm-hmm. I think thinking about that, like, you can have your nostalgia for yourself too, nostalgia for, but like, nostalgia is also tied up in all sorts of other things, right? So, yeah. like, yeah, I loved this wrestling, I loved all this stuff, but then it also reminds me of like picking fights in locker rooms, right? Or like, <laughs> you know, people talking shit. And so, like, that was kind of this this moment um, of kind of returning back to that. Um, yeah, I think like that was kind of a moment where a little bit surprised, or I'd be like. You know, I think that's the hard thing that people don't tell you sometimes about writing nonfiction is like, oh, man, you got to go like back into some trauma. You got to like and like that's the hard thing. It's like, oh, do you write? I'm like, yeah, I just like I didn't feel like going to that space today. Like I just, you know, (laughs) uh, but sometimes you're like, all right, let's go. Um, So that was kind of that you mentioned that push pull um, kind of dealing with that. But that was definitely in the back of my mind um, as especially as I started to write about kind of pain. as I was writing that particular part, I was just after my fourth marathon and it like really messed me up. Like I was in like a lot of pain, just kind of like side pain. Mm. And like the other problem is I remember <laughs> I was writing at um, a coffee shop and like coffee shop chairs are like purposefully uncomfortable to try to like get you out of there. Um, and so I just like was very uncomfortable. Like I was in a lot of pain a lot when I was actually writing. So like if you're in physical mm. pain, like you're going to write about physical pain. Yeah, I think that's just right. how it works. And so, um, you know, I just kind of kept returning to that and kept thinking about that. And, you know, so I'm writing and like trying to move my leg around because it's like seizing up or whatever. And so um, that was something that I um, was definitely concurrent. It was it was happening as I was as I was working on it. Um, Then again, at the same time, when you write, sometimes you always surprise yourself. You're like, oh, wait, I didn't expect to write about this this piece um and kind of um turn into that right and so mm-hmm. uh the manami toyota piece which i wrote which is kind of the centerpiece of the book in my mind and i had been planning on it and um it turned out to be the shortest essay the shortest of those essays in the book right and mm-hmm. so i think that's always kind of fun where it's like I, had all, I thought I had all this stuff to say in this one piece. I was like, wait, I said it. I said it in all the other pieces. Like mm-hmm. this is to be my cornerstone piece that I was going to like really drive everything home. And I was like, oh, I've said all the things I wanted to say. Um, so I think that's that in certain ways def- definitely surprised me or like, oh, here's my piece that's going to be about like the body. Right. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Like, Brian, what have you been doing for the past, you know, <laughs> 21,000 words? Like, you know, like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so uh, I was like, oh, I have to kind of take a different angle with that. 
Um, so it is. I think like as of anything else, you don't. I mean, again, I've mentioned my essay background. I have to quote Joan Didion, but you don't know what you think until you write it down. And so right. um, sometimes there'd be moments where I'd be start writing about something and I'd say, oh, I'm going to take it this way. Or I, I go in kind of an outline of like, oh, I'm talking about, I don't know, uh, trying to use a specific example. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to write about this, this and this. And I'm like, oh, wait, as I started writing about this aspect, I started writing about this other aspect. Right. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you go in thinking the easy way. And I think that's where cool writing happens, right? Like it's easy to kind of write about, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels and Mario Gennetti and betrayal, right? Like that's right. an easy <laughs> link to make. But then mm-hmm. what's fun is like, oh, where else did we wind up? Like what else did we wind up talking about instead of just talking about through that? And so I think in terms of that surprisingness, um, that's that's always been kind of how I write. I think in a lot of ways I, I go in with the best laid plans and, but the fun in writing is seeing how those other things go and how mm-hmm. those other things sprawl out and, and evolute winds up happening and how we get variations on themes is a lot of times I'll write something and I'll be like, Oh, I'm, I've lost the plot, but that's a great idea for another essay. And then the next thing you know, you actually, you know, it seems like, Oh wow, all these essays are beautifully linked together. It's like, Oh, it's just kind of like, I tried to cut the clippings of all this original plant and this is how we wound up. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, but that's, I think that's fun. Like that's, that's stuff that gets me excited, you know? Yeah. It's great when you can enjoy the process and yeah. not just <laughs> the yeah, result. I, mean, I love writing. Writing's fun. Like I think yeah. that's the, it's, even if you're writing about like super sad things. Yeah, like, it's still like there's still some joy in that. And you almost have to be a little bit of a mental masochist. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe the fun's kind of few and far between, but like <laughs> you kind of learn it's to like enjoy wrestling. You know, yeah, it's like there you go. Ninety <laughs> percent of it's terrible, but that ten percent is just like mm-hmm. the most magical stuff you've ever seen in your life. I know. So. I, and kind of along those lines, where you know. So the biggest fans know how bad it is. Yes. Uh, It's it's an interesting kind of dynamic. Um, Like people might not think I like wrestling because I talk so much shit about it. Right. But I talk so much shit about it because I actually love it. And like I tell people like, don't watch it. It's horrible. Like, why would you do not watch it? There's no reason. But it's like I but. I do. Right. There's no casual wrestling fan, right? right? Like they just don't exist. And I, and maybe that's kind of the issue, I guess, that we think of like WWE now. It's just like they, they think this fan exists that I don't know exists. Mm-hmm. I don't know if necessarily, it's like you've, you've created wrestling obsessive people, right? Like those are the, those are the people that you need to like cater to. Um, but it is true. Like every once in a while, I'll like force a friend who's not into wrestling to be like, yeah. oh, oh like, no, oh, you got to watch I did this. It to, I did it to my wife. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I forced her. I came, I went to that SummerSlam with Bailey and Sasha, the oh, NXT awesome. match. Yeah. I was there and I came back and I was like, Amy, I know. <laughs> right. I know it's, I know it's stupid that I watch wrestling. But you, and, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> but you have to watch this match. And she watched and she was like, this is actually really good. <laughs> like, because when it's good, it is that good. It transcends itself. Right. Um, but, you know, kind of along those lines, like, it's funny to me, like, even as popular as wrestling was, like, when I was, like, a teenager, it's like this, like, built-in shame I have. <laughs> I yes. have around. And that's kind of what we're talking around right now is, like, how, like, I, it's hard for me to talk to someone about how I like wrestling without me, like, slipping in how I, like, I'm a, like, how sometimes I'm embarrassed about it, <laughs> like, that that I do. And it's, it's such a weird dynamic because, like, I do love it. And, like, in a way, like, I'm 
I'm not proud to love it, but I do. And like, I don't care. Like, I don't, yes. I don't know how to explain it to people. Yeah. Um, but it's like a weird, I, and I try to figure out like, what's the root of that shame. And I think it's just that like an awareness that the general population is like, you still watch pro wrestling, you know, it's fake. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, y- yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Like, that's not what I want. Yeah, yeah. What is <laughs> like that? everything. Like there's artifice everywhere. Yeah, I think like even especially like admitting to loving trash TV, right? Like mm. there's I love that, that too. I love so do I. <laughs> yeah, and so like, but like wrestling has an extra like level to it for whatever yeah. reason. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it it is true. Kind of that stigma to it, but you do hear that like, Oh, you know, it's fake. It's like, well, yeah, te- it's on television. Like, you know, everything is fake. <laughs> everything, yeah, everything. That documentary that you love is that's very, it's really great. It's fake. Like, you know, yeah. all of this stuff, literally everything is, uh, is it art? It's fake. Um, mm-hmm. so I found myself, well, the joke is like write a book. And so everyone's like, oh, okay. You know, like, I guess, of course. Uh, I had somebody, uh, a former chair of our English department, who's an eccentric person to say the least, um, like came up to me and was like, oh, I hear you're right. You're hearing about, you're writing about wrestling and like, and, but was like, actually, cause I was writing about it, it like solidified, like certified uh-huh. it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, since I've written the book, right, I've had those moments of people who have confessed at least a little bit. Maybe not current. I mean, that's it's like the a thing. Secret right? they carry, right? And it's like one of those <laughs> things. Like, like it's a classic example. Like the thing we we're talking about. Um, you know, with like my students, right? It's like, oh, they love old stuff. They're like, oh, yes, I love reading. You know, Wall Stevens or whatever. And like, these are my influences. I'm like, oh, there's really good current writers these days. I feel that way <laughs> about wrestling. People are like, well, I used to watch. You know, blah blah mm. blah. I was like. And I loved it. I'm like, well, it's like, it's in a lot of ways, it's much better now. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's, it's something that's the things really- you liked about it are still there. Yeah, like- <laughs> exactly. They're still there. And it's I like, think maybe because cool they're dynamic. adults. Yeah. They're like adults now. So they, yeah. they feel the shame too. Like the, for sure. It's, I think, and I think that's a thing. I meet a lot of people who still watch attitude era stuff, like classic stuff, but they don't watch it now. And I think the, 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 the mindset is it's not embarrassing to watch the nostalgic wrestling. It's embarrassing right. to watch the current wrestling. Yeah. Yes. Which is so interesting to that me because it's the same fucking thing. You're, you're exactly right. I think, and, and I think tying into that nostalgia, it's like, oh yes, this is something that I used to love. Oh, I still kind of love it, but like, yeah. isn't it silly? I would never watch it this today. Um, but I'll, but I'll go back and watch it. And, and the funny yeah. thing is, like, as 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 misogynistic and and racist as pro wrestling can still be now, yes, and, very much <laughs> so. storytelling. It was like times ten in the Attitude Era. It was brutal. That's yeah. that's what's embarrassing yeah it's like going back and seeing just how misogynist and, and oh yeah and racist it, yeah, it have, was in the past i mean it's still i mean it's still as far as it's come yes it's it's and i think that's maybe where some of the shame comes too yeah it is and like yeah we have people in, in blackface on television like you right? know and you had you know yeah bra and panties masks and like all these things yeah and like, you know women that were like incredible athletes that could actually go um it's like well you have to do this instead right and so yeah. but it is it, and it's you know i think a thing that i always come back to is like the wrestlers now are the nerds that grew up on the wrestling then. Mm. And I think as opposed to like former bodybuilders that are just like trying to get right. into like the scene. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think like that has maybe tempered some of it. I think in a lot of ways like, Oh, you geeked out about this stuff. Like I geeked out about this stuff. So like, and you also recognized, you know, 
the silliness of it. You recognize what was good. You recognize what was bad. And so you're like, oh, let's take these elements that I learned about and like, how do I apply them to myself? Right. Like, how do Mm -hmm. I apply them to my character? How do I do like a wink and a nod to kind of how what the, the industry is right now? And like, you know, I I think of just like. I really enjoy the work of Sami Zayn a lot. And I think it's just because he's just like so hyper aware of, of audience and like, he's going to get booed for this, that, the other reason. Or I think of like the Daniel Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan run where he was like the planet's eco, eco friendly champion. That was one of my favorite. And like, (laughs) because he knew wrestling fans would hate him. Oh yeah. It was brilliant. He knew it. And I wish uh, they didn't get out of that gimmick so quickly. I know it was just a, a perfect microcosm, but it is like they, they catch, but that's the great thing about wrestling. It's like, Oh, there's moments where it catches fire. Like that was appointment television. Like that was something mm-hmm. that it didn't matter what was going on. We wanted to watch that. Um, and then you kind yeah. of go back to like the doldrums and so on and so forth. But yeah. And kind of now, like you say in one of the essays where you're like, when you're a kid, like you can't miss a minute. And like, now it's like, yeah. you kind of DVR it. And oh, like, yeah, you know, you're going to skip Always. through most of You can watch a three hour run about 15 minutes, 20 that's minutes. Much, that's honestly mostly how I watch. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I DVR everything. My wife goes to bed and then I, I think I have an essay about that. <laughs> goes to bed. I'd have it all DVR and I fast forward through most of it or like just keep it on the background as I do work and like mm-hmm. kind of check in every once in a while I'm like oh this match is interesting oh another six man tag against like folks that don't like each other okay whatever like not (laughs) gonna pay pay attention you know that's just like a space filler Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah it is like I couldn't miss a minute and I'd get mad and like I'd have to be there and that's my parents got my my own television because they didn't want to watch it and I was like so insistent (laughs) on it Um, but yeah I mean the, the, the other it's the sheer amount of stuff to know too, right? We mentioned with the internet, um, folks are releasing, you can then watch like a YouTube video or you can watch an Instagram story right. of somebody. Just get the highlights. Yeah. Uh, or you have a character who's like doing character development. Um, you know, we have like the Be The Elite, you know, videos, right? Like we have all those things um, that are, it, the content is constant, right? And so it's like kind of trying to pick those spots and, and finding those gems in that. And I think that's also, that's good, I think in a way, because you can find those those cool moments in a little ways too. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, like this is a really great promo by somebody, but it was on like YouTube, like, you know, or here's a good comedy bit that of course didn't make it to television, but it's like on somebody's like Instagram. So yeah. um, the content is, is massive. And so like, oh, it's, I can seek out what I want more so than being a kid right. where I didn't have any power over it. I'm like, well, I, I'm going to let me be on the 411 message boards and see what happens. But, uh, you know, I was on the message boards trying to read dirt sheets. And I also had the television <laughs> that I watched and the right. tapes that I traded for um, at Rice's Flea Market. Shout, I don't know if you ever made it to Rice's Flea Market in Pennsylvania, uh, right across the border. But, you know, swapping tapes and hoping that it was good. <laughs> like that was that was my content. And now it's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I can yeah. be like take my spots with it. WWE has really mastered the surplus content yes. machine. They really have. But <laughs> but um, the last kind of question I wanted to get into um, is kind of the influence on pro wrestling in like pop culture and politics. Mm-hmm. It's like something that I don't think like gets enough credit. But if you think of like, I mean, the last you know, especially like five years of politics, yes. but the last 10 years of politics, like, you know, back in like 20, God, when was that? 2015, 16, mm-hmm. when like Trump was running against like Hillary and like they were doing the debates, the production of those debates was almost to a T 
watching the beginning of Monday Night Raw. Like yes. the way they like introduced the quote unquote competitors, mm-hmm. the way they the, the the way the graphics moved on the screen, yep. Yep. the way the sets looked, yes. the way the announcers and the talking heads talked about what was going on. Trump himself is in the WWE Hall of Fame. He sure is. <laughs> like he took a stunner. Like, yep. You know, like and it's so I you know, and it's not just politics, but I feel like so many other things in, you know, contemporary culture reality TV for instance like have such a, a an influence from you know pro wrestling yeah I, I you're exactly right I think in terms of you mentioned production I think it mentioned uh, spectacle like everyone's just doing promo battles like I mean that's all they are like I mean that's what politics <laughs> is right it's just like yeah. you have a, a pre-written thing you kind of have a, an opponent you're gesturing to your opponent but you're also talking to an audience too right and you're trying to get the audience on your side mm-hmm. um and so I think that's part of it. And even just like the way in which we delivery, right? Like these are long promos, like there are ways to get the crowds. Like that's what Trump did. He's mm-hmm. there to do like these rallies. Like I want to pop the crowd. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's he's and- basically stone cold. He's the he's the, the yeah. heel face. Yeah. And like he was running against Hillary. who was just running as a face. Right. And like the, the fans of heels hated her. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. No, like- that's exactly what it is. And so he would just get up there and be like down to the point of like, you know, it's, it's great to be here in Des Moines. Iowa, right? Like, you know, so these moments of of just like cheap pops and like right? constant things and and you know, you're just like, oh, like, but we're all marks. Every single yeah. one of us, man. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the real secret. Every single one of us is a mark. And if you think you're not a mark, you're an even bigger mark. You're the mark. You're the yeah. mark, right? Like, you know, con can't get cons unless they think they're the conning one, right? Like that's mm-hmm. how it works. If you think you're too smart for it, that's where they get you. Um, and so I think like there's definitely that that element, especially in terms of, of just incorporating things or presenting or, you know, like I said, just being able to, we all have a hard camera, right? We all talk directly into whether it's a TikTok video, whether it is recording ourselves or, or you know, recording something, even just like releasing things for the internet. Like, oh, I have a tweet mm-hmm. apology, right? Like that's, that's <laughs> wrestling. Like a tweet right? apology is like, oh, I set up the mm. camera. Uh, you know, here's this prepared statement that I have. Um, like, and the way that YouTubers talk. And I mean, I think it all, it stems into wrestling, but I think it also stems into kind of content creation, YouTube elements right. too, of just being like, I'm speaking directly into things. It's all about reaction. It's all about going viral. Um, that's the main goal. And like, that's the main goal in wrestling, right? It's like, I want to pop the crowd, right? Yep, I want to make sure my t-shirts. You want to sell your t <laughs> right? Exactly. That's a hundred percent. It. It's like pop mm-hmm. the crowd, sell the thing. Right? right. And so, you know, that's, and that's what everyone's doing. It's like, Oh, here's the thing. And whether it's popping the crowd is getting someone excited about you, whether it's getting a bunch of retweets, whether it is hoping that you release a horrible video and then everyone dunks on you right like you know (laughs) everyone quote tweets you it gets a bunch of engagement uh and then you can kind of parlay that into buy the t-shirt right right it Mm -hmm. is i think it's just all very much uh entrapped in that so much it's very parallel and horrifying yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right that's my conversation with brian oliu Go check out Body Drop, notes on fandom and pain in professional wrestling, and all his other writing. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. Till next time.